Neil Brown just has that it factor, I believe. He's like, called into the program. Everybody in the Big 12 is going to know his name, and all the quarterbacks are going to feel his pain. That underdog so, mentality has always been big for West Virginia. We're just heartbroken that we were not good at our jobs. He is the modern-day Don Nealon. Trust the climb. And now it's time for the Country Roads Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Country Roads Webcast. Uh, I'm Steven, and that's Bradley. And today we're going to be going over the uh, the win over the TCU uh, Horned Frogs last night. Uh, I think it was a good way to to bounce back, not only off of you know the consecutive losses that West Virginia's taken, but I think it's a good way to come out of the out of the bye week. Which is, I think, what you know everybody's been talking talking about throughout the fan base, and especially you know on this show. Uh, that's what West Virginia's needed to do. I think by far, in my mind, probably was the best offensive performance that we've had all season. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Bradley? I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to you. I didn't get to watch as much of the game as I would have liked to last night. Um, I got to watch a good portion of it, but I still need to go back and watch watch it again to be able to give a full review. So. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it went out for me at first. So I went out yesterday to the, the Pumpkin Patch down in uh, Christiansburg and then uh, Virginia Tech country, and they were having a home game down there against Syracuse, and everybody's all decked out in the Virginia Tech stuff, and I was hiding my Mountaineer shirt underneath, uh, you know, my nice clothes. And I told my girlfriend, like, when Syracuse – Syracuse, if you guys didn't watch, they beat them in the last second touchdown pretty much. I mean, 20 seconds left on the clock. They hit a deep home run, home run ball and beat Virginia Tech. Which on first hand, it sucks that they lost because it's one of our few wins of the season, and it was actually a good win. And now it's a really not, it's like a half, half ass win. And then right before the game started, I was like, shit, I should have been giving Virginia Tech so much hell because throughout the day, I just be like, <laughs> I don't care how sad I am right now, at least I'm not a Virginia Tech fan. And then our game started, and I was like, man, I probably should be talking shit all yeah, day. Yeah, right at the kickoff, you were like, <laughs> what was that? Well, yeah, see, I got about? I got home and I was like listening. We had literally lined up for the kickoff while I was in the car, and I was like, oh, I'll get inside. The TV will be behind. It'll be perfect. By the time I got the TV on, I was like, maybe they've already got third and out. You know, I was like, maybe we already got the ball. I was like, let's see what it looks like. And then it pops up, and we're down 7 nothing already. And I was like, shit. I was like, we're already into this stuff. I mean, it's going to be another game. Nothing's changed. My week. But, yeah, it was definitely our best offensive showing so far. Our offense actually looked like a – we looked like a football team for the first time this year outside of, I guess, Virginia Tech. It was the first time I didn't really see us shoot ourselves in the foot as much. We didn't have as many penalties. Right. Didn't really turn the ball over. I mean, we didn't turn the ball over at all. But it was the first time that we actually came out there and looked like a football team. I knew how to play football. We didn't look like a great football team, but we looked like a football team. You know, like we actually had a full game. You know, like we had talked about like uh, before this, you know, we finally had four quarters of football. So I was super excited to see that. Still a lot of things need to improve. Jared Daigie still doesn't look like a great quarterback, but he didn't go out there and lose the game. So, Well, I will say this. Jared Daigie didn't look like a great quarterback, and we didn't look like – a great football team, like you say, but I think that's because Jared Deggie's not a great quarterback and we're not a great football team, but I think they did the things that they're supposed to do to win. And that's the things you want to see mm-hmm. out of a bye week out of a team in this position in my mind, because right now I think West Virginia is in a really good position for players to start giving up and letting down, you know, everyone in the, in the fan base for most of what what a Fletch. The Fletch angel always a Fletch. He always actually a played good, not great, but he definitely – Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I think he did play very well for you know what he's played during the season so far, um, and I don't think that 
I don't think it's anything to hang your head on if you're walking away from that game, if you're Jared Deggy. I think as much as you've been harped on in the fan base throughout this entire season, I think that was a great performance to come out there. You didn't turn the ball over, like you said. And I think especially, like you said, with, you know, in the first part of the game when West Virginia opens up and lets a kickoff return for a touchdown happen, I think it was a good way to respond for the offense and the defense to not let another, you know, let that unravel into something bigger throughout the football game. And, you know, they came back and they scored a touchdown of their own and then got another turnover right off, off the bat right after that. Yeah, so. Neil Brown came out and said, you know, that was his biggest thing. His biggest disappointment and some of the biggest grief he took on as a coach last week was talking about – or not last week, but against Baylor – was talking about how um, it's on him to make sure that his players, you know, don't get beat and that we never really seem to respond from those two first touch – those two touchdown drives at the beginning against Baylor – and about how our team pretty much just never, never rebounded from like that. They they got behind and they just like couldn't, couldn't get it going the other after that. And so to get a touchdown on the first kickoff of the game, and then to turn around and, you know, hold into it, you know, and go out there and produce and score on our first four drives of the game. I mean, we, I think we scored on every single drive we had in the first half outside of the, the the one four yard run there to end the first half. But, I mean, we came out and scored every single drive in the first half, and that's just really a good response, like you said, coming out of that bye week. Hmm. That's, it's easy, especially you got Kerry Martin leaving, Daryl Middleton leaving, you know. Seems to be that, you know, that midseason shakeup's kind of starting to happen. And, yeah. you know, Which to, is, to come out. And, like I said, normally happens when you have a team in this position. You have a lot of people that start jumping ship because they, you know, they start feeling like, you know, they were done wrong or, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever the issue may be, you know, you start having players that start to leave. And I think West Virginia did a really good job of, you know, not letting everybody get down like that, especially the leader. You know, people can harp on Jerry Deggy as much as they want to. And I'll tell you just as much as the next guy, he's not the most talented player in the world, but I will say he's one of the best leaders on this football team. For sure. He hasn't once let this team give up. He hasn't given up. As, and he's, in my opinion, is the first person – that should give up if there's anyone that should give up on this football team. I mean, guy got booed. <laughs> right. I mean, you've been booed up pretty much every home football game this season. You get booed at every game that you play. Essentially, if you're a away team, you get booed all the time. And you come home, you get booed because you're a bad quarterback. To be that kind of a leader, I think it speaks volumes for him. So, uh, But flipping the other side, Garrett Green, I think that he had one of the best runs of the entire night on that one on that mm-hmm. keeper run. I think that Probably was, the second best run we've had all year outside oh, of Eddie Brown's yeah, first, was, first run. Very good I mean, run. that's definitely the best run that we've had so far this year. Which attests, is the, you know, to the offensive line. I think they played one of their best games of the season other than the Virginia Tech game. I thought they played a really good game up until the fourth quarter in that game. Uh, yeah. But they, they played a really good game last night against TCU, though. I really think so. Yeah, definitely talking about people that played their best. It was definitely the offensive line played their best game so far. And that's definitely warming to see, I think, because on all fronts, we definitely were getting uh, – yeah, uh, we were definitely getting more going there with the offensive line, which was a lot more comforting. But uh, on another note, talking about because what Daniel says, as long as talk about Daggy here, as long as he doesn't throw picks or turn it over, then you guys are good with anyone. And I think that's kind right. of true. But we also have to look TCU to not take away from our win, but also to put things into realistic perspective because uh, I think it's important to not act like this win is to solve all of our problems. You know, beat up that was probably one of the worst defenses TCU's had in probably the Gary Patterson era. They were out a lot of defensive backs, so we really should have been able to do what we did the other night. And if you go back and look at it, Jared Deggy did have a couple sketchy, sketchy throws there on the first possession. I mean, he almost threw one right into an interception. Oh he yeah, threw a double coverage a couple times. He missed Bryce Ford Wheaton on that slant across the middle when he tried to 
hit Letty Brown instead. He missed a couple check down passes. And, you know, it's not like we went out there and played a perfect game and now everything's solved for sure. So we definitely got to definitely gotta put, you know, some realistic expectations on this. And, you know, our team has still got a long way to grow and a lot more to do. Yeah, we're, we're kidding ourselves. Like you said, this isn't, you know, that's just one win. West Virginia has five games to get to three more wins to be bowl eligible this year. And, you know, you're talking about playing Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas. You know, that's not – and he's Kansas, State's looking, Kansas State's looking, yeah, like yeah, they're they're looking really strong in the last couple of weeks. Kansas, I think you probably booked that as a win. <laughs> but, yeah, but a lot of people, and I think a lot of people are you know bashing on the Big Twelve. I think the Big Twelve is having an up year this year. I think oh, I do too, a lot of people. I think a lot of people are looking at Oklahoma and being like, oh, Oklahoma's barely barely staying in these games with people. But I think the Big Twelve is having an up year this year. I mean, the running backs this year in general just seem to be popping off. I mean, oh yeah. It seems to be like every week, you know, you got a Big 12 runner running for almost 200 yards, and it seems like every team's got a good set of running backs. Yeah. I, Fletch, I, I'm, honestly, I hate to agree with you, but I, I do. I think that West Virginia will maybe win two more games this year because, I, you know, Iowa State and Oklahoma State are both playing at such a you know a high volume right now that I just don't think West Virginia will be able to stay with their offense throughout the football game. I just don't think West Virginia's offense will be able to score that, you know, at that kind of rate. Um, Kansas State, like you said, has been looking really, really strong here lately in the last few weeks. And I don't think West Virginia, if they've, you know, if they can't play consistent football in the next few weeks, which they haven't shown that they did in the first few weeks. I know that they won last night, but if they can't continue to play consistent football, then that's going to really hurt them moving down in the schedule. So, I, you know, I hate to say so, but I actually do agree with you. I think West Virginia might get two more wins. I think they squeak out one more win against – a team that they shouldn't. I don't know which one it's going to be yet, but uh, like I said, I think they win the Kansas game, but I don't think that they'll they'll win one or two more other than that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think consistency has been one of our biggest issues under Neil Brown in general. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely want to see more consistency coming out of here. If we don't, if it's not winning games, because we're not, I can't expect us to win every game going forward, but I can still expect us to be better every game going forward. And so I'm still just like looking for those, you know, consistently playing like I, we cut out a lot of penalties last night, and that was huge for us. You know, and we were that able was to get one some of the main things I've wanted to see all season. To be honest with you, yeah, just some cleaner play. Honestly, just like we had one offensive timeout, and I know you know Schuler on Twitter over there was on the second he did it, I knew it was going to be on Twitter. You know, people all know Brown caught a timeout on offense after he said he never did it, but you know. Sometimes it's got to be done. We got a touchdown out of that series, so yeah, I think people <laughs> read too far into the the you know the finer details of things. And you know, I'll say this: you know, I've, I've said that you know there's a point to be made about the West Virginia fan base being over opinionated. I think that's a, you know something to be attested to how passionate this fan base is. But on the flip side, I think that also a lot of people comment on things in football that they actually don't know about. I think a lot of people haven't played the game and don't understand like little minute things inside of the game of football, right? So like why you know why timeouts are called in certain ways or you know or, or at certain times or why you know they'll run this pl- run this play only with this guy on the field and certain things like that. It's because these you know they're at practice every day and they see things. And I understand that they may not be the best you know, play call at the time, or they may not look like the best play call at the time. But I mean, I feel like the coaching staff, they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like we wouldn't come out and look like this kind of a football team after a bye week, after they look like that against Baylor two weeks ago, if they didn't know what they were doing, you know, I, so I, I do understand the passion of the fan base, but I also think that, you know, people, 
can also create things that really aren't there a lot of times. Yeah, and I definitely feel like we have a really bad case of the worst fans are the loudest. I really do think that, you know, the second that something goes wrong, the people that want to bring it up are out there, like, screaming about it. But the second we do something good, they're quiet. And, you know, it's like I, I get being, you know, critical of our football team. I mean, especially when you look at West Virginia athletics, all of you Mountaineer fans know that Mountaineer football means something different to these people. And, I mean, that's not even a question. And, I mean, it's everywhere you look. And so I get it being passionate about it because, I mean, hell, you can't find much more passionate people than the three people we got on this podcast. And, you know, we can sit here and look at it. And, you know, we, we are critical as well. I mean, we're not – we have a tendency to, you know, put on our golden blue glasses sometimes. But we're not we're not afraid to sit here and call things out when they look bad, you know, when things aren't going our way. We've done it and, several times. But it, we also know, you know, how to be critical about it. You know, we're not out there – going from one extreme to another, not once have any of us called for Neil Brown's head, even though we said, you know, we got to look at our issues because we got issues. Mm. And so, you know, I wish that, you know, maybe we could put some of that, more of that out there in the Mountaineer Nation because it's just, you know, the, the worst fans really can't be the loudest. And it's just like, if you're afraid of something hurting our recruiting, like we're all pretty bought in our, our, our recruiting class is definitely what has got us most bought in on Neil Brown. You want to see that turnaround real quick, you go on Twitter and you bash our team. Like that's just, you know. And that's the, that's go the there thing. And be stupid. Like, people go, act go like stupid. that these recruits aren't also on social media. Like these players aren't also on the same social media that they're on. You know, mm -hmm. players see that. And I understand things like that are said in every fan base throughout the country. I understand that. But, we're, you know, West Virginia isn't that place, that easy of a place to recruit to. You know what I mean? When we do get high-level recruits, you know, you want them to see how passionate, how positively passionate this fan base can be. And not, you know, just one thing or two things go wrong and then the fan base just totally turns on you. Like, you got to fire the coach, got to switch the quarterback, you got to switch this guy out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I would think that with the way Dana left this program, the fan, the fan base as a whole could understand, like, where this program's at right now. You know what I mean? Like, we're only three years removed from that. It takes time to build up, up a, a recruiting rapport with a new coaching staff and a new culture and everything else. And I think we have one player on scholarship on Dana left. That's not anything. That's yeah. by far the lowest that West Virginia has ever left any seceding coach to have. So I don't, I, there's a lot of things that go into it, but I, I just think that West Virginia is in a really good position, despite what they've looked like in the past few weeks, you know, for the mm -hmm. future anyway. And I know we always say that, and I know it's like a broken record saying that all the time, but it, I mean, if you look at the recruiting class, Justin Williams is looking good in the games he's playing. Nico Marquial is looking good in the games he's playing. I mean, all these recruits, man, are playing at a high, playing against high volume competition in high school right now. So I trust that they're going to be able to play out whenever they come to WVU in the future. Yeah, man. And I mean, especially looking at because something I was when I was thinking about our reaction today, something I was wanting to talk about is like like the areas in which I see that we're really going to need improvement next year, and I think that. After this game, our defensive backs, we need so much help. And I guess I see now why, because I've I've kind of been questioning, like, oh, man, I feel like Neil Brown's really been recruiting hard on the defensive side. It seems like it's been offensive linemen, a couple running backs, and then defense. I mean, he got his quarterback sold. And then, you know, he hasn't picked up that many wide receivers, and I guess I sat back and thought about it. We got a pretty deep wide receiver group. I mean, our wide receivers are pretty stacked. I mean, you even go one down, you got Sam Brown, Young, 
really big talent right there. You got Caden Prather, young, really big talent right there. All the people ahead of them, outside of Isaiah Esdell and Sean Ryan, I mean, they're all sophomores and juniors. I brought that up before how young our team is. But looking at that defensive backfield, I mean, uh, I keep wanting to say Sean, Nick Troy Fortune got hurt. If that guy's out for an extended period of time, Thank God Charles Woods looked great. I mean, for his Dude. first time, for his first time really being in a mountaineer like uh uniform and really getting out there and getting playing time, the guy looked good. I mean, he was out there defending. He got a pick. I mean, like yeah. saying his first yeah, recovered the fumble, you know. And so, and I would even say the one touchdown that they scored where the guy peeled off in the flat and we didn't cover him. Um, you know, I would say that. Woods was on his man, and that was just Sean Mahone again. I don't know why he had his back to the quarterback in the end zone, but I, I don't know. I don't coach. I don't. I don't get paid to do that. I guess maybe it might have been what he was trained to do. I've never seen it like that. And that seems to be the second touchdown I've seen it happen to him this year, where he had his back to the quarterback in the end, like in the red zone. And yeah, I, yeah, I just don't know why that's happening. Yeah, and uh, but looking at them, and I, I look at those areas, and I'm so I'm like, what's our answer? And then I turn around and look at our recruiting. We got. Mumu Ben Wahid, who's – I'm sorry if I butcher your name, Mumu, if you watch this, but that guy's going to be a freaking stud. I mean, I really think that – I was just watching him some more this weekend, some of his highlights uh, on the internet, and that guy is going to be an absolute monster in the golden blue. If you guys want somebody to watch, that's the dude to watch. You look at our number one recruit in this upcoming recruiting class, cornerback. I mean, he's a defensive back. Jacoby Spells coming out of Heritage Plantation, which is an absolute powerhouse football team. I mean, you want a guy with a pedigree, that's the dude right there. And, you know, I, it's just like all these holes that we have. I'm finally starting to see kind of like the picture come together of, you know, what people expect to be done in the third year, all these holes to be filled. I kind of see that starting to happen now that Neil Brown's gotten a solid footing in his third year. You know, he got through his COVID year. He won a bowl game last year. I mean, it's been a tough start to this year. But you can definitely take a step back and look at it and see the puzzle that he's starting to build. And – I think that that's just like the most impressive thing to me uh, going forward is just like how, you know, those are our weak spots and he's not just filling those spots with, you know, an average show. I mean, there's, there's, there's some studs coming in at that side. Right. So it's Jordan, Jordan on YouTube. He said, uh, hats off the coaching staff for putting their money where their mouth is said they would work on the run game during the bye week. And it looked the best that it has all season. I completely 100,000% agree with that. He also said, impressed by that, regardless of how porous TCU run D has been this season. Also, shout out to Doug Nesser for bouncing back in a big way. A lot of those runs are behind him. Yeah, I was. I, I wanted to point out that same thing. Doug Nestor actually turned around and looked like a lot better of a football player this past weekend, and I, or yesterday, I should say. I think, I think that the hand injury, whenever he had that uh, the club on his wrist, you know, in the first few weeks of the season, I think that affected him and through throughout the first little bit. So I, I think that the bye week actually helped him recover more than anything. Um, so I think you know that might have been a large part of why this offensive line hasn't really came together as much as we thought that they would, is because you know you miss one. Really, an offensive line is as strong as its weakest link. You know, that's an old adage, but I really think that that could really be said for this because Doug Nestor really hasn't been that great of a blocker in the past three or four weeks. And I think we can all agree upon that. And I think I mean, last not night, physically, but mentally getting beat up. I mean, right. you be like that on the offensive line and getting exposed. Right. I mean, it's down there in the red zone, especially, I mean, Letty had some really good runs, powerful runs down there, you know, close to the end zone. And we got those because a large and in, in large 
um, in large part due to the fact that Doug Nestor was in there blocking the way. They were a lot right behind Doug Nestor. I didn't um, really put those two together until Cruz said that, but I did want to point that out as well. How you know how he did bounce back and play a lot better last night than he has. Oh, for sure. Um, and another guy to talk. Tony Mathis came out there. We finally got to see some more running back. That was nice. Somebody yes. like Ronnie Brown, and the guy came out there and he looked good. Tony Mathis looked really good. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of good run running plays. Uh, goodness, I can't talk tonight. A lot of good running plays last night. You talk about Garrett Green, Letty, and uh, and Tony Mathis, and the defense didn't. Other than you know the first sequence of the football game, I think uh, West Virginia's defense looked pretty good last night as well. Bless you, sir. Thank you. I tried to mute it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, see, and I something I really loved. I don't know because I know a lot of our people are on Facebook. I don't know if everybody has Twitter, but Letty Brown came out and was really giving Tony Mathis some props. And that's what you really like to see is you know Letty Brown's not taking it to heart that he's giving up some of his carries. If anything, he's probably excited to give up some of his carries because I mean the dude right. has just been getting absolutely pumped. And Tony Mathis came out. And was like, yeah, now that I'm back up to 100%, I'm like ready to go. And so maybe he's just still been lingering with so many issues. And that's why we haven't, you know, we've only seen like a little bit of Justin Johnson and why Tony Mathis really just hasn't been playing. But maybe we will see him a lot more now after that bye week. Um, you know, things are starting to look up. So. Certainly looking like it. So I think if the offense can put some stuff like that in there against some of these teams, then I might be wrong. And, and, you know, what I can only assume is Jordan on the Country Roads webcast Facebook page there and saying that we're going to be able, be able to get to bowl eligibility in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that that's the case, but I, I, you know, I need to see a little bit more out of the offense. I guess this coming weekend against Iowa State, if I'm going to be able to to make that prediction. Yeah, I don't know if that's Cruz. I think it's got to be somebody else because Cruz is being pessimistic this year. No way he's thinking we're going to a bowl game. So. Yeah, that's got to be. So who else did you give the the stuff to? Cruz? Must be. It must be Justin. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be just. Yeah, it's got to be. Gotta be. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and give our um, our offensive defensive player of the game. We'll start with the offense. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, since we just touched on it and 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 you know touched base with D- Doug Nestor and everything, I'm going to give it to the entire offensive line. You know, I, in in large part due to Doug Nestor, but I think that the offensive line deserves that. Uh, that credit and I will always give credit where it's due. So I think that all of the entire line offensive line last night looked really good for me. Zach Frazier, especially too. He's not really looked bad at times at all this season, other than, you know, some mental mistakes here and there. I think he's continued to be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. The offensive line, Um, what I want to look like. Yeah. Why Milam also looked good up there. I think he got the start yesterday Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was just looking it up because I was curious. We only gave up one sack yesterday, and as the Big 12 team giving up the most sacks in the league right now, in the conference right now, that's an improvement. So right. one sack in that game, that's a good game, and the offensive line definitely up there. I'm going to turn around. I'm I'm going to give our my offensive MVP to Jared Deggy. I think for a guy that's, you know, could have came out, like you said, could have came out there, people have been begging for green, begging for green. And a guy came out there and he went 21 to 28. No touchdowns, but also no interceptions. The guy threw for 257 yards. yards. Yep. You know, he's second in the Big 12. I don't know after this weekend. I haven't checked. But going into this weekend, he's second in the Big 12 in passing yards. I think a lot of that has to do with, like what I said earlier, the dominant run games in the Big 12 right now. But Jared Deggy came out there, and he he handled that game. And he was actually able, for the first time that I can think of, was able to get outside the pocket, make some plays happen. He extended some mm. drives with his feet. He was a little bit better in his pocket presence a lot. Granted, I think that he had a successful night because his offensive line had a successful night. 
But, you know, you gave it to them, but I'm going to turn around and give it to Jared Daigie because I think that he had probably one of his most complete games in a Mountaineer uniform. And, you know, he he had a good game, even though he missed some, some, missed some shots. So hopefully it's something he can build upon. Yeah, I actually really like that pick. I like the way Jared Daigie played last night. And I think his best performance of this season by far, uh, I think he's played better than that in his career. But I think that that was by far the best he's played this season. <laughs> I mean, these dogs are going to have a fight here in a minute. <laughs> they get rowdy sometimes, yeah, man. Have too much fun. All right, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give mine to, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys I could probably give it to, but I think Josh Chandler Samito probably gets it from me because he just seemed like he was everywhere last night, man. I oh, just, yeah, man. Every time I looked up, it was Josh Chandler Samito, Josh Chandler Samito. So I, I'm going to go ahead and give it to him. Hey, he's he's working his way. I think he's second in the Big 12 in tackles right now. He's easily working his way towards an all-Big 12 team selection. And he's played a really good year for as quiet as people are about him because he played the the benefit of the position, getting more tackles. But the, the guy plays well, and he plays with some speed. And he had a big stop there on fourth down where TCU was starting to get a little bit of momentum. And he came up with a big stop on fourth, and I think it was fourth and two. So you know, I think that's one thing I do want to say real quick is that is something to be said about Neil Brown being the head coach of WVU since he's been the head coach of WVU there's always been a guy that feels that position like it was Tony Fields last year uh the year before that wasn't how what was it was it Tony Fields two years no he only came for one year uh give me a second I think it who was it after David Long who was it after David Long I think it was just David Long into Tony Fields wasn't it it might have been Tony Fields Long. wasn't there for two years, but no, he was only there for one. But even still, you got David no, Long, Tony Virginia, Fields. Who's West Virginia guy? He wasn't elite, but he was serviceable. He was from West Virginia. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about. We should know this, man. We just talk about how passionate uh, we are, and we can't think of this. Yeah, yeah, man, we suck. Hold on. Yeah, so you look at it up. Okay, while you do it, I'll, I'll talk about my defensive MVP. Yeah, do your defense. Um, yeah, man, I think the defense looked super good last night. I think there's a lot of players that could get this, but I'm gonna give it to to Charles Woods. I mean, the guy came in for a hurt Nick Troy fortune and was lined up against one of the better wide receivers in the big 12. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy just got the year yep. Moss award. I know they talked about it during the game. You know, you could have came out there and gotten picked on, gotten beat up. And he didn't, not only did he not get picked on, he, he did the pick on. it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he did, did a little bit of bullying. And I mean, he looked good for a guy that we've only heard a little bit about not seen all year um, coming out there, playing with some authority, I'd also like to do honorable mention to Dante Stills because he just comes out every game with the same energy. And if you want to look for the true embodiment of a Mountaineer, him and Akeem Mesidor are just what we want in every single player. Because, I mean, Dante hasn't come out flat once, and he just seems to make the biggest stops. If they're not holding him, then he's making plays. Yeah, Dante's been consistent all year, I think, in my opinion, he yeah. has. Him and his brother just don't know how to quit. Yeah, it is true, and it's – it's something that we should try to find in every player, honestly. You'll never find another guy like that. So Yeah, you ain't got – let me see. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember he was like a West Virginia guy, but I don't remember his name. I don't – Shea Campbell. Oh, really? Big number that's 34, not, right? Yep, that was 34, yep. That's who you're thinking of. Yeah. But that's not who I was thinking of. Yeah, he's not from West Virginia. Not Josh Chandler Samito, I guess, was that was the player I'm thinking of two years ago. So it was Josh Chandler Samito, then Tony Fields, and now it's Josh Chandler Samito again. So really, my yeah. point 
isn't as valid as I thought it was going to be. Oh, well, he was anyway. Josh Chandler, though, so that's why I'd be confused. Oh, yeah, that, that's probably why I was so confused. Uh, he's a different remember, guy now. He's, I but now that I'm name. looking at it, do you remember Zach Sandwich? Oh, the sandwich, yeah. Yeah, seven, man. right? Is what he wore? Sandwich. Uh, he wore seven sandwich. at one time, uh, flipped to 31 eventually. Yeah. But he did wear seven at one point, yeah. Yeah. All right. Also, well, shout out to Casey Leg. That dude, I really hate to see his his streak go down the drain with a block. But yeah, and I knew it was coming to the commentators. Like, oh, he hasn't missed one all year. He's been perfect. And I was like, oh, I just feel it. It's coming. Oh yeah, they always they, they always got to send us some bad juju with some comments like that, don't yeah, they? But Casey Casey Leg yeah. should be in for the Groza competition. I mean, the Groza Award consideration, hands down. I don't. The guy's had a stellar year, and I mean, honestly, if that kid gets her, it's probably going to the uprights too. I mean, he is just automatic yeah i i have made the comment and it might be just because i've been watching a lot of pat shows this year but i really i think that he's probably the best kicker we've had on campus since pat mcafee i'm not saying he's better than pat mcafee but he's the best one since we've had him yeah because i mean we've not we've had some pretty sketchy field goal kickers in the past you know 10 oh. years i mean we've had some yeah. struggles so yeah or no since uh josh lambert josh lambert had uh, that great Josh year. Lambert was pretty good that one yeah. year, and then he just yeah. kind of like went down, died. Down he got hurt. After. I think I think he got hurt, and then he oh, just yeah. disappeared. Yeah, yeah. What happens a lot. Oh, I do want to also mention uh, coming up this week, uh, we're going to try to get together, and um, we're gonna, we will be doing the uh, the Iowa State preview uh, coming up this weekend. But also, me, Bradley, and going to be joined by another Ryder guy Deem. that yeah, yeah. Ryder Dean that. You guys haven't met him yet, but you will. We're going to be doing the Country Roads webcast hoops edition because uh, West Virginia will be tipping it off this Friday at the Coliseum. So we're going to be getting into a lot of busy work <laughs> in the busy time of the year with basketball and football going on at the same time. Uh, but I'm really excited for basketball season. I, I think Bradley and, and Ryder both are very excited oh, as well. Sure. So so we're going to be going to that, getting into that this week, but I think that's going to be all for us on this episode of the country roads webcast i think all of us are just happy that west virginia can get a win yeah, we got a w that's a dub. three and yeah. four feels a lot better than two and five that's exactly right man i thought it was going to be heading that way myself but luckily we're not there yet we'll keep the ball rolling hopefully against iowa state this weekend but as always i'm your host steven vestal and that's bradley brown maybe next time we'll be able to get jordan back on here uh but we'll talk to you next time and as always let's go Mountaineers. Mountaineers.